Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. You are about to step into a space that's way beyond the ordinary realities that are comprising your limits currently. And we are joined by a shaman, a Celtic shaman, Jeremy R.J. White, who is the author of a a really intriguing book that I encourage you to read called Raising the Runes, A Shamanic Journey Through Avalon. Oh, I'm so glad you could join us, Jeremy. Welcome to our program today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. Now, now, folks, Jeremy is going to lead us in just creating a sacred space, something that will allow us, you, in whatever healings or processes that you are going to go through while you listen to this program. So, Jeremy, move us into that sacred space by way of your ceremony and include us in that experience. Yeah, I do this whenever I'm doing any medicine work. I just cleanse the area and I prepare it. So if anybody has any visions or messages from spirit, I know that I'm working in truth and integrity and the spirits are with me. So I basically just call in the directions and honor each of the spirits of those directions. So bear with me. Beautiful, beautiful. I call to the Lord of the North. I call to Odin, Father of all. Bless this circle with your wisdom and knowledge. I call to the Lord of the East, to my brother Thor. Protect us with your courage and strength. I call to the Lord and Lady of the South, the Frey and Freya of the Greenwood. May the seeds of truth I spread this day grow into trees of abundance. And I call to the Lord of the West, to my brother Tyr, the Noble Lord. May everything I do and say be in truth and integrity. And I call to the land rights and the spirits of place. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening, I ask those spirits that they respect us by watching over us and protect us while we do our work this day and we spread our simple words of wisdom. I pronounce a circle open and ready for medicine. Thank you for your time. We're ready to go. Oh, Jeremy, thank you so much for transposing us from our ordinary reality. I think that's my first question for you, is that we get very, very complexly integrated into a world of demands and materialism and so forth and so on. What is the value of stepping into a mystical uh, world full of divination, such as using the divination tools of, of the runes? What's the value for every human being? Maybe too broad of a question, but... I think that maybe that's what the listeners first want to know, that this is important for everyday life and beyond. Yeah, I, I used to be lost in the materialistic world. I was very capitalistic. It was all about money, cars, houses. But during that, when I lived in that world, my life was empty. So I filled that void, which spirits should fill, with other things, just distractions. I read a lot of Jung and stuff like that. And, and Carl Jung, he said, in our Western culture, the average person is lost. Because in Eastern philosophy, they have the answers to these questions. But in Western philosophy, we can't say which tribe we belong to. We can't say what's our job within the tribe. And we can't say what's the name of the gods we pray to. And I believe whichever path you're on, you need to have that spirit. And spirit has filled me with an abundance and, and knowing. And I, when I speak to them, my spirits, I feel complete. I never feel alone. And I, I think a lot of people are lost and they need to feel that. And it needs to be a religion or... Religion and spirituality are two different things for me, but it's having something you trust implicitly that's going to guide you the right way. And that's what runes do for me. They are linked from between my ancestors, my descendants, to the universe, to the gods, and I trust what they say implicitly. I hope that explains it a bit. I think it absolutely does. And if I, if I tie it down into my experience, if at, if at any given place I am at, simultaneously there are many realities in that exact same location, whether it's a location of my spirit or my mind or my body, that, that there are so many different dimensions that are simultaneously 
accessible. So if you wanted to go into the material world, albeit the runes also address functioning within the material world, if I'm not mistaken, as well as the mystical and the spiritual. So first let's go into the runes and describe how they help us in our material existence. Well, I suppose that a modern way of speaking is that the runes are like a life coach. If you are troubled with a problem, you cast the runes, and you do and say exactly what they show you. And it's sort of that indecisiveness, what do I do, the pondering over it. When I ask the runes, I trust them implicitly, and they help me in Midgard. This is Middle Earth where we live. Uh, I'm a shaman, so there's, we, there's nine worlds in the Norse pantheon and Celtic pantheon, and we live in Midgard, Middle Earth, and there are eight worlds that go between around us. We can access all that knowledge and we can go there to learn different things. But we exist and our time is this, the 21st century of Midgard. So we have to relate to the runes in our time and I have to speak about them in a way that relates to the people of my time. And the way I say it is just trust them, allow them to guide you in your work. And all of my students I teach, if you don't trust the runes and do what they say, what right do you have to read for other people? It's the same with any oracle or divine if you don't do what the oracle says itself you have no right to tell other people what to do and it's not mm-hmm. telling them what to do it's guidance this is what you should do what other people choose to do it is different but i always choose to do what they say hmm. okay so then can you do a run for this material middle world today right in this moment and show us share us the the symbol and show us what that message might be for the material realm, and we'll start there. Well, it was interesting. I actually cast a single room before I did this lesson today, and I asked what energy did they want me to work with, who was going to guide me during this uh, conversation with you, Carol. And the room I got was Burkana, which is reversed, which is... Burkana, it looks like a a pointy B, and it actually represents the room of new beginnings and fresh starts. But when it's reversed, it's endings, natural endings, and the progression but it's also the rune of the mother and, and feminine and childbirth. And my mother passed away about six months ago and the rune oh, came up sorry. and it was reversed, reversed. So it told me that I have to honor my mother and my mother's standing beside me as we do this, this class today. So it's honor those female ancestors who have passed away and call them into your life and let them guide you wherever you go. I, I think it's just amazing because that's exactly the run that I drew today too. <laughs> the one run that was the very one, and I was very struck by by how you said this. This helps me conceptualize as a man what type of relationship I want as a lover, what I want as a uh, uh, when I work with women. Don't you find that women are often very interested in this, and why are not men? Uh, in the in the Norse traditions, it's not spoken of very much. But Odin found the runes for his people. He didn't understand what they were, so he had to go to the goddess Freya, because women understand the runes intuitively. It's called women's intuition. They can automatically read them. They are a feminine tool. For men to work with the runes, they have to understand women. And in the sagas, Odin dressed as a woman for you. It was called Ergi, a female craft. And the warriors weren't, weren't sure about this, but for you to really understand who you are, you have to understand male and female. And for me, coming from a very masculine warrior background before I found my spiritual path, women were alien creatures to me, and I didn't understand them. I thought they were wonderful, but I didn't really understand them. I Even now, I actually prefer the counsel of men. But I know mm-hmm. through the runes and my connection to runes, I'm beginning to understand. I don't know it impeccably, the medicine and the magic of women. And I think we've lost that. We've had a very male-dominated spiritual system or a very female-dominated spiritual system. We just have to understand that we're both different, but we both have our place at the council fire and we have different goals. Hmm. Beautifully said. So let's move into another realm away from the material into relationships because I know that many times people must come to you and say, what, what, am I going to find my true love or what's going to happen to my relationships or is something going to happen to my children? So relationships are very keen and central to the concerns of our material domain and yet it rises us above just material concerns. So would you mind doing a reading for relationships today? Okay. I always do a chart before I need to pull any rooms and I will 
I will ask my spirits what they want to say about relationships, and I'll pick three runes and I'll cast them out and I'll tell you what they say. Wonderful. So just listen to the sound of my voice and all the listeners, close your eyes and imagine a doorway opening. So somebody's messages may be for you. Okay. Manan, 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 Me Manan, Manan. Manan, um, am, in, on, en, manan, manan, manan. Okay, the three runes I've cast. Oh, they, when I read the runes, it's always in threes. If I'm asking for a question, this is the way Odin wants to speak about the runes to the people and what spirit wants to show mm. me. Mm. And it's... I'm going to talk about a rune that hasn't come up, first of all, which is very important in my beliefs. It's a rune called Algiz. It's a rune of self-love and self-protection. And in huh. my teachings... Uh, it's a complete opposite to Buddhism. In Buddhism, you search for a selflessness, so you are nothing, everybody else, you think of everybody else. But in the Norse tradition, you are the center of the universe. The world revolves around you. You can only experience the world from you being center of it. And you can only love yourself, first of all. That is the most important love. Or how dare you put that obligation on somebody else. Your unhappiness can only be fulfilled by somebody else's love. You huh. must take your obligation yourself and fulfill yourself with your own love. Uh, the runes that Odin has shown me here is, is Lagoos, which is upside down, which is actually the love rune, and it's, but it's upside down. And it's okay. allowing that energy, that emotion to flow away. People are giving up that power that I just spoke about easily. And it's once you give over that power, I can't be happy if I'm with them. Why don't they love me? You become helpless. When you say... I love myself, and if they're with me, it enhances my life. That's such a powerful position to come from. So don't give up your emotions easily. Because in, once again, in the North tradition, there's a thing called obligation. If you ask for something, there must always be a payment. If you give something away, there's an obligation. And some people struggle with obligations and struggle with gifts. And even giving love to somebody can be a problem. They don't want it. Love yourself first, and then if somebody else loves you, it's a bonus. And also, there's another thing, rune that's come up, which is Thoraz pointing down towards the ground. Which Thoraz is a Thor's hammer. It's a rune of defense. It's a hammer. It's an axe. But when it's pointing down towards the ground, it's an axe chopping away at the roots, the roots of the tree, uh, the sense of belonging and grounding and knowing where we all came from, where we belong. Who are those people? And not necessarily the ones, our immediate family, but who are our tribe? Who are the ones where we can sit and feel comfort with and know our place and who we are. And I think a lot of that longing to feel loved is not knowing your place of being, where you're supposed to be. Uh, for me, I searched my whole life to find out where I belong. I know I belong in Glastonbury, but my path is of Odin to be the wanderer, to travel far, to speak the word and guide others back to Avalon so they can feel that sense of belonging. And the two runes combined, the final rune is when you understand not to give your love away and your emotions away and put that responsibility on others and to understand that you need to form roots to find where you belong. The final rune that comes up in this is Sawello, which is the rune of joy, happiness. It's the sunshine. No matter what comes, the other two runes are in negative positions. But whenever Sawello comes in the reading, it corrects everything else. It overpowers. It's the power of the sunshine. It's so powerful it can correct any problems. And it's what we're all looking for. So when you get these things in balance, all will be well. When you love yourself first and you know where you belong, nothing can touch you. And I think that's what we all crave for. When we watch movies like Lord of the Rings and Ancestral from Northern Europe and see them, oh my God, there's something in that. Yeah, it's our ancestral knowledge. There's a longing, a homecoming. And we all have to, you can follow the path of Christ, you can follow the path of Buddha, you can follow, but you have to honor your ancestors because we are, the representation of their genes and their blood in this time, as our descendants will be of us in the future. So I say a prayer, which is to remember my ancestors, 
and honour my descendants, for they represent me in the future. Does that make sense, Carol? Oh, it's a beautiful reading about relationships. What a what a prime description of relationship with ourselves, finding our connection because we first are connected to ourselves, and then the ending with joy. Ooh, what an overarching experience of energy. That's the energy of reaching out and reaching in. It's just a beautiful read. How do how now we turn to the place of where students say, Oh, I want to become a student of the runes. So how do people do that? I know that you have classes on a pragmatic level and then on a on a more spiritual level, how do people journey into that shamanic imagery or process? in their relationship with the runes. So first, let's be practical. Well, How do they connect with you in your classes? <laughs> well, basically, you go to my website and the next class will be posted. I teach the runes in a completely different way. There there are many books written about the runes uh, because they're an ancient language, historical, they're written by academics. What I wanted to do in my book is show you how it spiritually changed me, what visions and gifts I was given by spirit once I incorporated that rune into my being. And that's what I teach my students. Before I actually went to Glastonbury and I worked with the rooms, I didn't teach it. I just recommend people to get books, like do it yourself. And a lot of yes. people read the book and they don't get the true meaning, the true power. The, they're all keys that unlock doorways emotionally and spiritually for you. And that's how I teach the rooms to students. It's not like a class where we'll sit around and work on the blackboard. There is that part of it. But initially, I don't tell you what rooms you're going to learn. I start chanting and I take you on a shamanic journey and you experience those runes within a vision. And if you ever speak to any of my students who have done different classes, I never know what that vision is going to be. So one student may, may this go on this journey about this rune and another one may have a completely different. It all depends. I trust what spirit wants to show me at the time. And I do believe that each student's initial contact with a rune should be completely different. But we all feel and we all experience different things in our life and we experience the runes at different times in our life. I've learned them. I used to use them as a child, as a secret language that others didn't understand. They'd write messages in them. And then I forgot them. Oh, yeah. and it wasn't until I was 40 that they came back to me. And because I had to go through a life crisis and a spiritual awakening in what it is to be follow the path, I believe you have to go through a crisis of the mind, the body and the soul. And that's the same whether you're Norse mm-hmm. or Celtic. And then spirit... Mm-hmm grabs you and it was only then that I could really understand the power of the runes then I went to Glastonbury and these runes opened doorways and dimensions for me and I realized that this was the medicine that I had to share with people and it's not my medicine it's a medicine of a combination of the red and white dragon the white dragon being the Norse and the red dragon being Britain and the land of the Celts this was Mm. the teachings they had for me to, to gift as I walked the world and that's what I try to do in my classes. I try to make them magical, spiritual, healing and cleansing. And then those experiences each student has on their, their lessons, they never forget. I haven't got to teach that to them. They've experienced it in vision. That's their own message from that room. And they keep those down. They make notes in them. And then at the end of each class, I talk about the academic and the historical meaning of the rooms and how you combine them and what they'll mean in different... If you've read my book, you understand that the first part of the runes is to understand the mystical meaning of each one, which is basically for divination and guidance in your life. Then the next level of knowledge is to understand the mythical stories behind the gods and goddesses behind each rune. And then the final level is the magical level of the runes and how you bring runic energies into being, how you say these prayers of intent to bring these energies to fulfillment in your life. So is that similar to the first two prayers that you've done so far, the one that we initiated our program with, and the second one is you were entering into doing the first reading? Uh, sorry, can I say that again? I'm sorry. When you were doing when you were doing the the the, uh, the chanting, I don't know what you would call it, the chanting before the first reading, is that yeah. bringing in the power of the runes? Is that an illustration of that? Yeah. Okay. What Very it is, good. the runes... This is the difference between male and female. Women have that innate intuition that allows them to read the runes, whereas men have a thing called golfer. It means to crow, to chant. For some reason, the deep, resonant voice of a man seems to allow to bring the runes into being in a frequency in our dimension. So with my deep voice, I chant the runes. And 
when I'm drumming and chanting, it, whatever class the students are learning, I will, they'll be guided on a vision, but I will be predominantly chanting that room into being in the background to be absorbed into them. The chant I did for Manaz is to open the doors. It's the rune of mankind, the rune of destiny, to be the helper, the healer of my people, my tribe. So when I chant that, I'm bringing that rune into being in this existence. And the name Manaz isn't particularly that important. The runes are phonetic language. It's the M sound. Each of the runes has an alphabetical meaning. And it's the phonetic sound of each rune that is the most important. As I go further on my teachings on the shamanic path, I teach the students that if we want to bring a certain combinations of runes into being, we make a word that incorporates all those different phonetic sounds. And as you pronounce that, you're bringing each of those runes into being. And then when you get several people chanting at the same time, it becomes very, very powerful. Wow. And there's a next part. Well, there's, there's also yogic practices. So you have, you have the runes for divination, the runes for chanting, then you have the runes for yogic practice. Each rune represents a plant and a medicine and a time of the year and a Sabbath. It's, and there are things that you can't learn in five minutes. And in our culture not. nowadays, you know, we have a lot of people who want to do a course for a weekend and get a certificate, say, I'm a grandmaster. And, that's not the way this works. This is downloaded by spirit to me. I'm trying to reawaken something. And as I'm teaching, I'm learning stuff as well. It's more and more coming through. In the old days, to be a, a druid took 20 years from beginning to end. You know, nowadays, I think they've got down to nine years. But you, it's still got to be something of value. It's a path you have to walk. And you have to understand one completely before you go on to the next. Because if you're not, you're not getting the true teachings and you're not getting the benefit of it. So it's slowly, slowly catching monkey. And it's and you do have to practice with them. I'm always going up my students. I've made, I've lived and worked in Glastonbury. We have what you call spiritual tourists. They just love doing courses. They love doing this. They love doing that. Because they feel yeah. like they're connected to spirit. But for me, the most important part of the teaching is not my classes, not my visions. It's you sitting out in the forest, seeing the runes in the trees, chanting in yourself, seeing what the land, the, the spirits, the whites of that place will want to gift you. And if you do that when you're working with the runes, you come back to the next class, you are enriched and full of that energy and you're ready to progress. Uh, in North tradition, we have a thing, there's nine parts of the body and the part of us that is Odin or the ancestral energy is called Ond. And when you and more people start learning this medicine, going in the forest, chanting and feeling, you physically feel the Ond growing inside you. And then when you, it's a collective Ond, it's our tribal Ond, knowing who we are as a people that's who we are. That makes sense. Now that gap in me that's been a void for years is now filled. Mm. And that's my part. Now, I think that's more important. I, I would say 95% of all my students and all my uh, clients are female. Because in the 21st century, there is a real problem with men accepting the spiritual path. They see it as a weakness. It's sort of, oh, it's all a load of a hogwash. Yeah. For me, I'm a fairly skinny man. I come from a warrior's background. And I believe that the runic path, and even the path of a warrior, you can have, people can believe in love and light and healing, but you can have warriors of light. It's just like the Arthurian legends in Avalon. Uh, King Arthur was a warrior. He had the Knights of the Round Table. They were warriors, and they had a holy quest. And I believe for men to take on a path, it can't just be a weekend course where they learn something. It has to be a quest. And for me, my path is a quest. It's searching, uh, searching of the Holy Grail. And I believe that that's what I'm trying to instill in young men. Mm. How are you reaching out to men? Oh, by the way, everybody, we're talking to Jeremy R.J. White, and you can learn a lot more about him on his website, jeremyrjwhite.com. So how are you reaching out to men? How do we move this so that we can create this balance? There is well, quite it's, an it's quite strange. This is, well, I, I believe this is why I'm in America. My wife is a, is a really talented leather artist, and we, she does craft bears at the weekend, and I have a big basket of runes on the side of the table, and I'm the salesman because uh, my accent goes down well in America, and I think about sell stuff. Oh, but I have a that's big true. basket of runes that's heaped up high. There's probably 3,000 runes in this big basket, and uh, people come by, and they just feel them. They don't know what they are. And as soon as I touch them, I say, pick a handful, drop all but one back in the bowl, and then I give them a one rune reading. And then kids start talking about it. They're fascinated by it. And I start talking about the warrior path 
and what the runes are and what the Vikings really were as opposed to being barbarians. They did have a spiritual path. And even within the tribal culture, everyone must have their role. And there is a place for warriors. And if you reject that, they feel outcast. And there's also yeah. a place for to be a father, a mother, a nurturer. It's getting that link between being a strong man and being able to be spiritual, pray, and talk to your gods as well. And I think that's what seems to be of lost. And not to give mm-hmm. prayers or lip service, because you're supposed to do it, but actually sit and pray and talk to the mm-hmm. spirits and thank them for your life and ask them for guidance. And mm-hmm. when it comes across, I seem to, wherever I go, we're going back to Junction City this year for the Scandinavian Festival. And it means a big festival. There's 200,000 people go there. But I've been doing that now for about about four years. I've lived the first one about seven years, and I've been into Britain in the meantime. And I have this same group of kids who are like 12 and 13 who come and see me every time I'm there just to sit and hear the stories because what I do is I spread not so much the word, the runic word because it's too hard to get over in a conversation, but I tell of the sagas and the stories of the myths and the legends. And we really miss that in our, in our culture, the fireside oh, yeah. stories, because most of the teachings of all indigenous people come in the mythic stories, those legends you sit around the fire and oh, tell us a story. And there's the teachings. Well, nowadays we call them movies, but people forget the origins of those movies, like films like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. They watch it and this is great. But they forget that's tribal ancestral knowledge coming back. Mm. And it's and that's my part, I believe, to use my word. My radio own radio show is called The Voice of Odin, because I allow Odin to speak through my voice. And whether that's Odin of the Norse, the Scandinavians, or Woden of the Saxons, or the Dagdar of the Celtic tribes, they're all the same gods. They were just mixed and mashed up. Uh, and a lot of people don't realise that the actual Celts themselves came from Central Europe, the river Danube where Danube comes from, their goddess is Danu. They went west to Ireland, and they're called the Tuatha de Danu, the children of Danu. And they went north to Scandinavia, Daneland, the land of Danu. And so we're all pretty much from the same origins. We have the same gods and goddesses whose names changed over hundreds of generations, but the stories, the myths, and the legends come from the same thread. And within those myths and legends, there are great healing teachings about understanding who we are. And that's what I try and get out there. Beautifully said. So right in this very moment, do you think that you could give us a flavor of what it means to have the shamanic imagery that comes from the messages of the runes so that individuals who I often find people say, oh, I don't know how to meditate. I can't meditate. I can't still my mind. But the shamanic process seems so beautifully capable of taking the noisiness of our mind and shifting it into a connection that's magical, mythical perhaps, imaginary maybe, but very full of meaning. And you definitely capture that in your book where there's uh, there's a depth well, on all sorts of levels. Yeah, I spoke Please. to a young lad on a plane coming back from, he was a guy who actually invented Minecraft. So, And he was, talk, he, was, he was about 25 and he was just talking to me. He said, you have all that shamanic journeying. Isn't that just imagination? And I said, yes. well, so what if it is? So what if it is? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, if it's where the answers are and I've imagined it and it's healed me and given me purpose to my life, isn't that wonderful that I could just imagine it? Yes. And it sort of threw him because he didn't know how to answer that. Now, I, I believe I'm tuning in just like the radio frequency. I'm just tuning in and I'm getting this stuff. And I don't believe I could imagine some of these things that have, I've been gifted because they've come to pass. But for somebody who's a critic, you just tell them to imagine. So I'm going to I'm going to lead a very short vision that people can listen to, and it's about discovering a certain rune. And I'm not going to say what that rune is until afterwards. I'll explain it after the vision. So I'm going to drum softly, and I'm just okay. going to lead people on probably a 90 second to two minute vision. And if they okay. get to see it, or they just get a glimpse for a second, that doorway's been opened. So Wonderful. sit back and just listen to the sound of my voice. I want you to imagine you're standing on a beautiful green hill. The sky is turquoise blue. It's a warm day, but there's a cool breeze. This is the perfect place. This is the perfect day. You feel utterly and totally happy, utterly and totally content, and utterly and totally safe. 
and you turn round behind you and there's a flagpole. And halfway up the flagpole, there's a flag flapping in the wind. I want you to look at the shape of the flag, the colour of the flag. Are there any symbols or patterns on the flag? And when it's completely clear in your mind's eye, take a photograph of it. Remember every detail. Sit down at the base of the flagpole. Stare out across the valley and feel sanctuary. Feel peace. And remember this flag. It is very important. And I want you to bring that flag back to me here in this garden. And I will bang my drum three times and you'll be back with me here. Basically, what I did was there, it's just a, a shamanic glimpse to see if you can do it. And it doesn't matter if you saw the whole thing or you just saw a quick flash of a flag. That's oh, I had a wonderful, in, wonderful experience. Yes, go ahead. But it's, it's basically to, I mean, the vision itself is a much longer vision if I actually did it for students. But it's, it's just to show you, well, the place I took you is your place of window. It's the place between this world and the nine dimensions. And it's called the Frithgar from the hill there is where a place you can go before you start your journeys. And the flag you see is your flag. Spirit doesn't see you as your 21st century given name. You have a battle flag, an emblem that's been yours since the beginning of time. And when you go to that place, if you want messages, you raise that flag to the very top. So all that can find you can find you or have messages, know where you are. But it's important I get my students to do, all my clients when they have a problem understanding how you manifest magic in your life. Well, for those of you out there who saw a flag, draw that flag, paint it, stick it on your fridge, mm. put it in your wallet. Mm. Well, then you've just created magic. You've seen something in vision and you've created here in the 21st century and you're beginning to understand who you are. Not the name somebody gave you, but your spirit name, how they see you. I hope that oh, explains right. it a bit. Oh, it absolutely does. No. Now, can I share it with you? Is it something that has to be private? Yeah. No, but no, you can share it by all means. Well, let me just see so that everybody will kind of know what the process is. So mine was a round red flag, and it yeah. in the middle of it was a straight line with two uh, ar- as if arms going up from the center of the shoulders. And I do not know the name of the rune, but I have it in front of me, and I don't know how to say it. So <laughs> what have I done that here? That is that rune is Algiz, the one we were talking about earlier, self-love and self-protection. Oh, interesting. And if you're, okay. if you're going to be a healer or a helper of others, that is the first rune you must learn. What use is a healer or a helper who heals somebody once and then is ill forevermore because they haven't protected themselves? Hmm. You have to. Self-interest. On my right arm, I have Uraz, which is the symbol of the buffalo. Not the healing, but the energy and strength from the earth. On my left arm, mm. I have Algeese. So it's, I'm right-handed. So this is my sword arm or my something I give people with. And what I defend myself with, my Algeese arm, is my shield. So I deflect any negative energy away from me. It will not allow me to absorb that negative energy. And it's mm. showing you, you that is your flag. And that should be part of your symbols in this world. The red circle with the Algeese on it. And it's also within when you start talking about the you so the mystical meaning is just self protection to put yourself first. And when they go into the, the magical mythical terms of it, it's about reaching ultimately reaching up to the gods and connecting directly to whichever spirits you work with. It looks like somebody reaching up to the sky. Yeah. And we have the the algae symbol. People go, oh, that's familiar. It looks like the peace side, but the wrong way up. Well, that's yes. the origins of the peace side. If you turn our geese the other way upside down, it means put everybody else first. Put the world first. It's peace. And they put a circle around it. But really, if everyone loved themselves and never put themselves in harm's way, then and they just gave out love to everybody, it would work just as well. Oh, it's so that's work. a very important thing for you to use as a healer. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful read. We have a caller here who I believe wants to have a read. So I'm wondering if we can take the okay. next couple of minutes... And, and and have people realize what it's like to work with you. 
Um, hello, caller. I'm I'm bringing you on to prepare yourself. Hello, this is area code five hundred three. How are you? Hello, are you there? Oh, they may they may have walked into shyness there. <laughs> so we'll give an opportunity. <laughs> That's okay, not a worry. So, um, Jeremy, what you yes. also are very free in talking to the various uh, spirit guides and. I completely understand that from my shamanic background or from my Christian background or from my, and I could go on and on and on, uh, talking to angels. And we had Raven Keys here about her connection with angels. But your book is particularly dense with all sorts of uh, individuals that come to you that you speak with, that you dialogue with, from plant spirits to, to angel guides to Christ. Talk to us about that interaction, uh, both as it is an extension of imagination, extension of myth, extension of you. I mean, tell us more about that. So, I believe, I mean, I live in the Pacific Northwest, and I can go into the forest, and I see plant beings and gnomic energies there, but they all come about once I open circle, and I take down the, the shield wall of my ancestors that protect me, I allow that to come in. But I do honestly believe that in Glastonbury, ancient Avalon in England, that charade we put out in the rest of the world that tells people who we are falls away and you are completely vulnerable as a spiritual being and spirits see you. Now, if you're tuned in spiritually, you have an amazing awakening there. You get to connect to all these beings who are around you all the time. But if you're not, it can terrify you. And my, my own brother is, doesn't like the energy there at all. It makes him feel very vulnerable. And that's exactly uh. what the word it is. This pantomime we play in the 21st century I've got a big car, I've got a big house, I can't be touched. That is not how you're seen when you walk the land of Avalon. You are seen Mm. as your spiritual being for all your flaws, for all your vulnerability for all your mistakes. But only when you accept those can you learn. So if you're going to have shamanic journeys it is a great place to be and you allow not only come there to see the, the, the ruins the history or do workshops but just sit and be with the land and see what they want to teach you. Because it's been there pre-Neolithic times, the tour was a labyrinth as people walked. There's a Christian church on it now, but that was built a long time after. Pilgrims from all over the world went there. It's supposed to be the heart chakra of the world. Now, don't get me wrong, I had shamanic visions before I actually went to Glastonbury and Avalon. I used to live a, a very violent life before I became a spiritual man. And spirits used to come and tell me things not to go places, not to do things. And I tried to fight against it, but it was virtually impossible. It's only as I've understood a shamanic path, as you're a shaman yourself, you start listening and making sense of the messages you get. And it's brought great peace to me. Now, a prime example is getting people to actually write a dream diary and try and understand their dreams. Hmm. I, Like I said, my mother passed six months ago, and it was very difficult for me as a shaman to deal with that, even though I know the death rites and the passage of life is perfectly normal. But what helped me is that my mother came to me in three separate dreams, and she was there, and she told me of other people of my clients and friends who were in trouble. And everything she told me made sense, and I worked with them yeah. to help them. So now I know when that spirit comes, there's truth in it. Mm. And those people just got to start having shamanic visions... You can go and sit in the woods for nine days and have a, a profound vision, or you can sit there for nine days and get nothing. Or you can be walking down the road and you can have a glimpse for 10 seconds where the message you get is so profound, it does change your life. So it doesn't have to be one or two. And, it's, and I don't believe you have to take drugs to open those doors as well. Uh, I did take a lot of drugs and do a lot of bad things in the past, but shamanically I'm now tuned in. I just have to... For me, it's not so much the the banging of the drum, I use that for others. What I use for myself is my algae stick, which I write about in my book, and that has bells on it. And when if I'm walking with that and the bells ring, the caribou comes and takes me on the journey. And I can be walking through a field and I'm gone. But it's ah. just a, a, something that you tune into. And it's, it's letting go of doubt, letting go of confusion. And that, that's the biggest barrier when I see people and they say, oh, I can't vision, I can't do a journey. And I said, well, just let me take you, and it's going to be a three-minute journey, and I want to see what you get. And they go, oh, I saw nothing. I said, well, did you see a flag? And they go, oh, yeah, I said, well, then you had a vision. 
That's how long it takes. It doesn't have to be <laughs> a life-shattering experience. You just have to glimpse. Mm-hmm. And it's like jumping up on a really high wall. The first time you jump as high as you can, you, you, your nose may get over the top and you just may see a glimpse of something. Eventually, you'll learn how to climb the wall and jump over to the other side. But it just takes practice. Mm-hmm. And this is the same with the room. Where... Sorry? Go ahead. I think that you're saying something. I think you're saying something so incredibly profound, and I want to make sure we accentuate it. That the visions, the journey, the meditations don't have to be extended forever. Three minutes, you can tie into something very powerful. The, The spirits are right there, ready and willing to communicate. If you're ready and willing to receive the phone call. Um, so, yes, please continue with what you're saying. I just wanted to accentuate that that point. Well, it's it's a bit like, I'll, I'll use an analogy, like I said, the, the jumping over the big wall. So you jump up the big wall and you have a glimpse. And the first time you see over there, you see a glimpse of a pair of ears. The next time you jump, you see a bit harder, you see a glimpse, you see a tiger. And then you walk along that wall and there's a door. Now, do you walk through that door or do you not walk through the door because you know there's a tiger the other side? It's, or you could go, that was imagination, and walk through the door and get eaten by a tiger. Yeah, it's how you decide to trust those messages you get. And that's the same with the runes or any vision. I got that. I understood what you're trying to tell me. I'm not going to do it. Now, if you get the message and decide, I don't believe what I'm getting, I'm going to do it anyway, then you face the consequences. I chose to trust the messages. And even when I, before I found the spiritual part, if something told me not to go somewhere, and I had this feeling... I trusted it. I don't know why I trusted it, but I did. And it's never seemed to be wrong. And this is, there's a story I have with the runes. We're talking directly to spirit. And those are spirits who have passed over as well. So I put my runes out on the table and I get people to cast a rune, predominantly three. And this lady came to see me and she cast three runes. And there were three runes that spelled the name Keth, K-E-K-E-T-H, because T-H is one rune. And I thought, I'm not going to say that name. I said, pick another rune and cast it. So she picked one more, and it was an I. And I said, okay, who's Keith? And this lady said, that's my husband who committed suicide. I said, well, Keith is here, and he wants to speak to you. So I said, all the questions you ask in the room, I will answer them as if I'm Keith. And basically, the whole reading went around this, and there was a lot of things that needed to be answered for, directly through spirit. So all I was being used as, and all the rooms we were being used as, is a communicator directly with spirits who have passed over. Now... I don't know whether other people use in that way, but I trust what the runes show me. You know, and sometimes people they'll cast three stones, and that is just the reading. That's all they need to answer, and the rest will just be talking mm. because we got the message in the first three stones. Mm. You know, and then people come and see me, want reading after reading. Well, the first time you come for a reading, it should be once every three months you come for a reading. And when they come back, I normally say, "Did you do what I say? Did you do what they said?" And if they say no, then they're wasting their money, aren't they? You know, if you give them some wisdom and they give you a question, they don't do it. What they want is just attention. So, and it's really important. I have a real problem with promoting myself, to be honest. It's it's ego, because I used to be a really big ego when I was a materialistic uh, man. And now on the spiritual part, I believe the spirit wants me to get there, I'll get there. And it's huh. and it's like bigging yourself up. I have a problem with that. I I, I don't really big myself up. Because I believe I'm just a vessel that channels this stuff. And I've been honoured to, to be that vessel. And if I misabuse it, that honour can be taken away as quickly as it came. So I try and live my life as pure and as authentic as I can. So there's a combination of being bold and and definite and at the same time being humble and listening. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I, I'm... Once again, it's me practicing what I preach. There's a certain rune called, which is Perthro. It's the rune of luck and chance. But it's about also uh, standing up and being proud of who you are and saying what you can do and what you're capable of. Uh, I'm more likely to say the runes or Odin are more capable of those things than myself because it is those that have made me solid, true, and whole where I was lost for a long time. Even when I had plenty of money, I was empty. I'm not empty anymore. And this is what the... uh, connection I want people to get with the runes and some people may never meant to be the runes some people may read the runes just for themselves some people want to go the shamanic path and some people want to go on to be what I call a vicky which is the sort of highest level of runic knowledge 
But those that takes 20 years. And it's, but it's apart from me as a guy, it's got to be that sort of hardcore quest. Ah, oh, I'm going to do this. But that's not for everybody. I mean, there's a, a lady I taught in Glassman called Tegan. And she's one of my students. And now she's found her own path using the runes, connecting a very feminine, very different energy to me. And she's helping a lot of women. I don't really understand that so much because I probably understand 10% of the female path, not the rest. And she doesn't understand the warrior path that I walk. And that's great mm-hmm. because we're all meant to walk different paths and we're all meant to have the runes resonate with people in different ways. You know, let's talk about the warrior energy for a bit. I think that uh, I came I came into the world with a, a great deal of joy and peacefulness and then catapulted into a situation where I had to wear the garment of a warrior, and it was incredibly uncomfortable for me. Uh, and yet the value of having gone through those 10 years of battle, uh, I can't tell I came out the other end a much stronger person. So t- I think that it's important for women to recognize that being a warrior is is incredibly essential, and perhaps one reason why we are attracted to men is because, and also not at ease with men, because we realize that warrior energy is essential. So now, can you integrate being a warrior, the value of being a warrior, the feminine energy, which you started off on the the single rune that you read at the beginning, is there a way to loop all of this together, perhaps through another rune read or your own experience of understanding warrior, female energy, so forth and so on? Well, I, thought, I, mean, I, speak, I can only speak from a man's point of view. I mean, I, and I see it as the warrior energy. Is, well, I was I was a warrior when I was three years old. I had that intent. I didn't. I never wanted. My brother was playing the cards and taking things apart. I wanted swords, guns, bows, and arrows, and that was not forced upon me. That's who I naturally was. And there was something about it. And then, even that dying in battle. Well, I never expected to make fifty-one years old. I thought I'd be dead by the time I was twenty-five. Because there's, some, there's something innately in me and other men that you want to stand in that shield wall. You want to defend the weak. You need a quest, a pilgrimage. There's no greater thing than to die in battle for something you believe in. As a mother, a woman, I believe women struggle with that because they are the creators of life. They are the nurturers and they bring this in. But some things are worth standing up for. And the, the females in Celtic and Norse tradition were warriors. Uh, especially the Celts and the Norse, in the, the great army that invaded Britain, it's called the Great Invasion, the Viking Invasion, there was a, a 1,500 female warriors standing in the shield side alongside men. And they were seen as equal. They weren't seen as weak, they were seen as equal. Because I believe some women do have that energy as well. It's not as innately there as it is in dice, but when it's called upon, a great strength comes. And for me, it's like on the on the spiritual path, some people say to me they only believe in love and light. That's wonderful for them. But for me, it has to be in balance. There has to be light and dark. And when the darkness comes, I am willing to stand in the shield wall and defend those who are not capable of defending themselves because that is my purpose. Now, what is my light and what is somebody else's dark may be the same things. It's just whichever point of view. But I stand from my point of view. And for me, on the, the warrior's path, it's honor, nobility, courage, self-reliance, and brotherhood. And I actually believe for men, they long for that, that brotherhood. A prime example is, you look at the Lord of the Rings, the hobbits, making a, a brotherhood, and they all go off in search of the ring. It's like men sit and watch that and cry their eyes out, because it's a no, you know, and one of the warriors falls, he is remembered, his song is sung. That is a holy purpose. And like the Holy Crusades, no matter what, and these guys, no matter who you are, if you're a spiritual warrior, you feel complete. I don't honestly understand it, but it is something innately this. And I don't know if women understand that, but it's what men have to have. It is the search for the Holy Grail. It's Sir Percival who puts his life on the line to find that thing that's inside the Holy Cup. You know, I know, and even the legends of King Arthur, that's, this goes back to Avalon again, and the thing with, Arthur Pendragon and the search for the Holy Grail. It's he's died and he will be born again. If you die in battle, as in Norse, you go to Valhalla and you feast with the other warriors and it's a feeling of completion. And some men have it, some men don't, some women have it, some women don't. But it's something that for me on my path, 
It has to be. This has to be a quest. It has to be a a pilgrimage of sorts to honour who I am, to stand before other warriors. And I do believe in dark energy. There has to be. That's pure physics. There has to be light and there has to be dark. And then sometimes you have to stand up against dark energy. I hope that explains it. I'm not going to go on a rant, but... That's beautiful. You, you know, what comes to my mind is I work a lot with soldiers and I work with their families and uh, I, I will never divulge any story that a patient tells me. So I'm going to be speaking very generically. But one yeah. of the uh, startling things is even though they come back with post-traumatic stress disorder that's incredibly crippling or 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 some sort of physical malady, I, I mean, the, the complications are huge and we know that our soldiers are coming back and committing suicide, the complications are huge in returning to the society and facing what went on, but also facing how disconnected they are from this current society. But what always comes up is that regardless of how awful it was, there was a brotherhood that they experienced there that they have never experienced before or since. And that that's... A, you're speaking to that. Well, I feel that... I mean, I've had a lot of soldiers come and see me in the States. Not They don't come for readings, but they come and stand at the stall and talk to me, and they want symbols and amulets. That I, make. I make lots of talismans as well, honouring Thor and Odin and the warrior path, and I talk about the warrior path, and a lot of them have a real problem with the, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. And I say, listen, if you and your heart think what you're doing are noble, that is a great way to go. But I, on the other hand, I also have guys who have come out of prison who have been in gangs in prison and they come out and they speak to me and they see the same symbols of runes because the runes have been used, misused, their meanings misused. But within prison, they have like a warrior creed, a brotherhood where they fight for each other's life. And then they've come back out yeah. of society and they don't know how to fit in anymore. And especially mm-hmm. with the, the soldiers, the veterans, I actually think it's terrible. Do not honor the veterans' path. These are warriors who yeah. put their life on the line for you. Now, whether you agree with what they did or not, they did it for your country, and you were part of the tribe of the USA. Mm-hmm. So these men must be honoured in their life. And yeah. it's crazy that somebody who can sing a, a musical song can make more money and have a more comfortable life than a young lad of 18 has gone out and put his life on the line. Not in my book. Yeah. They should be revered holy warriors and looked after for the rest of their lives if they mm-hmm. troubled. And the post-traumatic tr- stress thing is they come back and they don't get to sit with the other warriors, get to talk, and they're not revered for the things they've done. And there's a sort of shame thing comes into it because they're sort of rejected from society, and it's it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that. Yes, you know, I totally I believe agree. totally that. I, mm-hmm. I was talking to a soldier about post-traumatic stress. It's quite funny that American soldiers suffer a lot more of it than British soldiers. And that in Britain they did some research, and it's, predominantly do with the British sense of humour, that they seem to be laughed in the face of adversity. It's like a nervous reaction and start cracking jokes. It's really dangerous. But for some reason, mm. that just seems to dispel that energy. Mm. And I know, being sort of <laughs> a violent British man, that is the case. No matter how dangerous it is, we don't seem to sort of get scared. We start cracking jokes and sort of detach from the situation. And uh, I do know that in, in Britain... The soldiers are honoured a lot more. There's, regardless of what the cause they're fighting for, they give their life, they put their life on their line, and they're a brotherhood, and they should be honoured. No Absolutely. And, you know, and that's what I feel. If I could get more guys coming and sitting around the fire and sit around the fireside and tell you a battle story, be proud of it, speak it. Yes. Can uh, you do a rune, a very, rune read for the soldiers that are listening? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And while he's preparing, yes, I'll just do my chant again because uh, this is for the soldiers. Please. Know that I honor you. 
and sing your name with praise. Be proud of who you are and sing your stories loud. For all we are is when we're gone is our battle song. And you have been brave, noble, and walk that place. I don't honor all of you. To The reason I, I sung the Tearways chant there because it is it's the rune of victory, but the story of Tear is I won't go into it too much, but there was a wolf called Fenris who was a the hound of hell who was going to devour the earth. And he grew from a puppy to get bigger and bigger, and the, the gods were scared of him. So uh, Odin wanted to chain him, so they actually called in the dwarves to make a magical tool, and it was made from the spit of a fish, the roots of a mountain, and the sound the cat makes when it hunts. And the dwarves made a, a wonderful chain that was going to bind the wolf. And the wolf said, I don't trust you. That looks like a magical chain to me. Uh, you're going to try and cage me, and I'm not having it. Then Tyr walked up and said, Wolf, you know me. I am noble. I am honourable. I stand my ground in the shield wall. I will put my hand in your mouth. And if they chain you, you can rip my arm off. So the wolf trusted Tyr because he was noble. And Tyr put his hand in the wolf's mouth. And while he did, the dwarves chained the wolf and he was bound. But then the wolf ripped his arm off. And the wolf said afterwards, why did you do that? And he said, because it was worth doing for my people. And so that's that's the chart of Tearways, and when I call that energy, that's what I call it. Okay, I'm going to cast these runes now. Beautiful. Yes. The first rune for the soldiers and the veterans who come back is, is Manas upside down. Uh, then there's Yara, which is about putting effort in, and then there's Othello. And it's basically the way these soldiers need to be healed help. Because manners upside down means they're not being healed. If it's the right way up, it means they are being healed. It's upside down. It's us as a tribe, author, clan, people, society need to put the effort in to heal them, make them feel like they belong again, and help yeah. them on their path. And that's exactly what that means. And it's and it's our responsibility as a society to do that. And I wish we could get everybody to do that because it would make it honour them ticker tape parades what, they still put their life mm. on the line for us and mm. we are the ones responsible for healing them mm. so, so, so very true mm-hmm. well y- y- you know I hope that you will do a workshop that's specific to our soldiers I think that you have a lot to offer individuals who have gone through horrible circumstances that are almost beyond belief uh, and that they do need to find their new self as they are warriors and, and wolves in our society where our society is over we've gotten soft with materialism. It's just such a such a oxymoron to be back here defending us when they we really don't even know what that's been all about. So hopefully in these workshops and classes you do we can include our soldiers and I gladly support you in whatever way we could to to market that off for you. Well, everybody, Jeremy R. J. White has written a book, Raising the Runes, A Shamanic Journey Through Avalon, and his website, jeremyrjwhite.com, offers workshops and classes, reading and guidance and healings, and you can tell by the way he talks that he comes with an intensity of meaning to be authentically spirits in with you as well so get in touch with him now our jeremy as we end here what is our parting message i have so many more questions but obviously that is our show and what is your parting message to us well first of all i want to close down this circle first of all that's really important to me to honor the spirits who gathered around and, and blessed us with the wisdom through the rooms but the parting message is for me is whatever you do be authentic Remember where you came from and remember those who come after what you teach them. We are creating the next generation. So we make yeah. sure that the, the stories and the medicine of our ancestors is not forgotten. Like it's been hidden for a long time with, with us, but it's awakening again. And hmm. help other people to open up and live a spiritual life because that's available to all of us. And I thank you all yeah. for my time. 
listen to the words of me and myself and the Spirit. So I'm just going to close down the circle. I call to the Lord of the West, to the noble Lord Tear, and I thank him for filling this circle with truth and integrity. I call to the Lord and Lady of the South to pray and pray over Greenwood and hope that the simple words I've spread this day reach out to those who need to hear them. I call to the Lord of the East to Thor, my powerful and strong brother. And I thank you for protecting us during this class and that you'll protect the weak and those in need in the future. And I call to the Lord of the North, to Odin, Father of all. And I thank you for your wisdom and knowledge in the medicine of the runes during this session. And I thank the land whites wherever I am, wherever those who listen are, that watch over us, the two leggeds of Midgard, and help us and guide us in our life, and whisper in our ears when we need direction. I pronounce this circle closed, and thank you for your time. Oh, Jeremy R.J. White, thank you for your time. We're deeply, deeply touched by your message. So, folks, you've stepped outside your box. Continue to stay outside your box as you walk and groom the rest of the world around you because there's so much to experience. Don't live with limits. Live beyond. This is Dr. Carol Francis. So glad to have met Jeremy White. Have the best of days. Thank you, Carol. Thanks for having me on the show. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jeremy.